There is your seated. I want to take you to the word of the Lord, the gospel of Luke, chapter 2. The gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. And we're going to begin our reading at verse 25. This is a beautiful time of the year in that we can reflect, remember, or be reminded about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the middle of all the festivities and celebrations and gatherings which are all appropriate in their proper place, we have to always remember not only the reason but the spirit of this season, and that is that a Savior has come. And he is Christ the Lord. And so in this nativity story, Christmas story, however you'd like to label it, there are various characters. There are various principles that we could apply to our lives. And so there's a couple of individuals that I want us to focus on for a few moments here today that are found in this passage. So we'll start in verse number 25 of Luke chapter 2. And this is how it reads. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting, someone say waiting, for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, in the very same chapter of Luke 2, jump down with me a few verses to verse 36. Luke chapter 2 and verse 36. Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, what instant? The moment that Simeon took the Lord Christ and in his hands and dedicated and presented him to the Lord, which was the custom then and is the custom now, very biblical custom. But at the same time, as Simeon was uttering that prophetic statement that the Christ had come, that the Lord had fulfilled his promise not only to Israel, but to Simeon in specific that he was seeing the Savior of the world. So she walks in that instant. She gives thanks to the Lord. And spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. I want to minister from this passage as I feel the Lord has led me today. And I want to continue. We started a few weeks ago on the aspect of hope. And I want to continue that journey with you in this season and entitle this message, Hope This Christmas. Hope This Christmas. Christmas is one of my favorite times of the year. I don't know how certain people feel about it, but I really love this time of the year. It's a wonderful time of celebration, surrounded by our loved ones, family members, and friends, truly remembering the true meaning of Christmas. 
Christmas is truly a season that links the past, the present, and the future. It looks back in celebration at the hope fulfilled in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. While at the same time looking forward in hope to the coming of Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. Christmas is really, the story of all of this is really all about hope. And for this reason, I want to talk to you about hope today, this Christmas. Unfortunately, with all that is going on in our world today, many people have lost hope for their future. Our world right now is fighting so many things. There is economic uncertainty, threats of continued terrorism and war, even increasing natural disasters. Our nation today is more divided than it ever has been. There seems to be an overwhelming pessimism about the future. So we face truly hopelessness on a world scale, on a national scale, and even on a personal scale, hopeless at home and in our relationships, hopeless in the area of finances, discouraged possibly about the direction of our life. Hopelessness, in my opinion, seems to have become its very own pandemic. But as believers in Christ Jesus, we should always have hope. I'm so glad to declare today that what's happening in our world doesn't necessarily have to be happening in me. I'll say that again. What is happening in our world doesn't necessarily have to be happening in me. I see the society. I see the nation, the world around us. But thank God for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Look at what 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says about this. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Someone say a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We were born again into a living hope. Hope. The moment that you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you repented of your sins, whether it was at an altar or an altar that you made wherever you were. And then you went into the, down in the waters of baptism in the only saving name of Jesus Christ. And then God proceeded to fill you with his spirit and you spoke in other tongues as the spirit of God gave you the utterance. My Bible calls that the new birth. That's when you and I have been begotten. And when that took place, you and I received a living hope, a hope that does not come and go, a hope that does not vary but depending on my circumstances, whether I feel like having hope or not. When I gave my life to Jesus, I received the living hope. Does somebody have that living hope here today? In Christ Jesus, because of the new birth, because of Acts 2.38, because of our salvation, we have a living hope. Someone once said this, there are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless in their situation. Why does that matter, Pastor? Because somebody hearing me today feels like they're in a hopeless situation. Somebody under the sound of my voice has even told themselves of late, this seems hopeless. This relationship seems hopeless. 
The situation in my family seems hopeless. The problems that I'm dealing with, the sicknesses that I'm battling, they just seem hopeless. Can I tell you, there is no situation that is hopeless. There are only people who have grown hopeless in their situation. Biblical hope is faith for the future. If I have hope based on the word of God, it gives me faith for the future. It's not wishful thinking. It's to confidently believe that something will happen in the future to the point that you begin to prepare for it right now. You see, people who live without hope for the future have no power in the present. They have no motivation or endurance. But my Bible says that we are born into a living hope. So we need to learn to live in hope hope regardless of our present condition regardless of the battle that we might be facing right now regardless about how much is against us I can have a living hope because I know that God is working and things are going to change whether it changes today or whether it changes tomorrow or whether it changes next week I've got a living hope a hope that doesn't change the Bible is clear when it says that those who try to live their lives without God are without hope. We mentioned this the last time we were together. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 12 says, Having no hope and without God in the world. I love that very basic phrase there in this passage because it gives us the idea that the individuals that don't have hope are those that are without God. That are those that are living by the systems, pattern, and influence of the world. And so if I presently today feel like my situation is hopeless, if I presently today feel like there's no hope, what that leads us to understand is what this verse confirms, that I'm trying to do it without God. That I'm trying to navigate this family drama without God. That I'm trying to figure out my financial situation without God. That I'm trying to press through the difficulty that my relationship has become. I'm doing it without God. Because the Bible here says that those that are without God don't have hope. But thank God there are people in this building that are living their lives according to the principles and patterns not of the world, not of the systems of the world, not of the influence of the world, but we're basing our lives on the bedrock of God's holy word and living according to the pattern and principles of the holy scriptures. And if God's word says that regardless of where I am, I can have hope, then I have hope. Because My Bible says that those who live for Jesus are birthed into living hope. And it's not just any kind of hope, but a lasting hope, a life-changing hope. And I submit to you today that hopelessness is not a result of circumstances. Hopelessness is a result of misplaced faith. Well, preacher, I... If you knew my situation, which is worse than anybody's in this building, you don't know that. If you knew how bad 
the circumstance of my life was, you wouldn't be talking about how much hope I could have. Can I tell you, hopelessness is not the result of what's happening to you. But hopelessness is a result of somewhere along the way we've put our faith in the wrong things. We've put our hope in the wrong things. Well, you know what? When they put in a new president in the White House, things are going to change. We just got to get all the elected officials in the right place and then things will change. When I get this new job, things will change. When I get into a new relationship, then things will change. If I had a little bit more money in my pocket, then things will change. And so we put our faith and our hope in people and in things. And can I tell you, people and things will disappoint you. People and things will change. But there's one who never changes. There's one who's the same today and forevermore. His name is Jesus Christ. My faith and my hope needs to be in him. That's why you have so many hopeless people. Because they're hoping. Now this one, he's the one for me. I thought you said the last three were the ones for you. I'm just going to leave that alone because getting too personal on me, Pastor. Talk about somebody else today. This job, this new career move that I'm about to make is going to start aligning everything. And so you make that career move, but things don't align. What I just need is I need to refocus my life in, in this direction. What I need to do is I need to pour myself now into my kids. And so I do all these things hoping that that's what I'm missing. And can I tell you, what you're missing is the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to find hope in hobbies. You're not going to find hope in acquiring more things. You're going to find hope when you place your faith squarely in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because I may not have a lot of things, but in Jesus, I have everything that I need. Oh, you missed it. I'll say it again. I say, I may not have a lot of things, but in Jesus, I have everything that me and my family need. And so my situation is not hopeless. There's hope because my faith is in him. People who trust in other people to fix their problems are doomed to hopelessness. People who put their trust in the government are doomed to hopelessness. People who put their trust in themselves. Well, you don't know me, Pastor. I got, I got this thing figured out. Okay, really? And I'm just a few moves away, and I've been planning, and I've been working, and I've been connecting, and I've been finding. Oh, that's wonderful. But if you trust in yourself, you'll be doomed to hopelessness. That sounds great, preacher. You know, that's really good. But, but give me some Bible. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I got some Bible for you today. Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9. Look at what it says. It is better. Someone say better. better. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. What does it mean? It's better to trust in Jesus. People will let me down. People will turn their back on me. But Jesus will be there with me everywhere that I go. Someone shout, it's better. I'm not offering you another alternative. 
I'm not offering you another option. I'm offering you something better. Better than trusting in your money. Better than trusting in the stock market. Better than trusting in princes and the government. You can put your faith in God. Why do you preach like that, Pastor? Because there's some people that used to be passionate about the things of God. Now they're passionate about politics. And I'm already there, so I'm just going to go and save it. Trump can't save you. No, no, don't say that, Pastor. Because Trump's a servant of the Lord. We just got to get him back in office. The answer is not in Washington, D.C. And let me stand as a prophet of God to your life. The political system of this nation is going to get more and more corrupt as the days go by. And I say that as a prophet of God to your life. And so all those apostolic people that are putting their hope in politics, you're in trouble. Because God is dismantling the powers and forces of this world so that we can see that he is still king and Lord over everything. It's not a Republican thing. It's not a Democrat thing. It's not an independent thing. It's a Jesus thing that this world needs. Jesus is still the hope of... I wish I had somebody that would help me here today. And I said, Jesus is the hope of the world. Need more of Jesus in my life. So I say it again. I don't come to a, with another alternative. I have something better. Put your confidence, put your trust in the Lord. If you've done that, could you throw your hands in the air right now and give them praise because you're trusting in the most stable, most consistent thing in all the world. It's Christ and his kingdom. That wasn't in my notes, but I had to get that off my chest. And so truly, hope comes from having faith in something bigger than ourselves. And that's why people hope in these things. That's why they place their hope in individuals. Because they see them as figures bigger than themselves. That's where people put their focus and their hope and their corporation and their companies. Because it's a figure bigger than ourselves. But can I tell you, there's still someone bigger. Who looks over this entire world. His name is Jesus. And if he can take care of the world, let me tell you something. He could take care of you. Oh, I just felt the Holy Ghost talking to somebody right now. If God is orchestrating everything that's going on in our world right now, don't you think he can take care of you? He can take care of your marriage. He can take care of your finances. He can take care of your family. He can take care of your children. Yes, he has the whole world in his hands, but he also has your world in his hands. If he takes care of the birds... That don't have to worry about a thing. Jesus said, how much more will he take care of you? Oh, I just feel the Holy Ghost talking to somebody right now. You came to this service wondering how things are going to happen. And you just feel so unsettled and so hopeless. Can I tell you that Jesus wants to be the hope of your life? And he can take care of you. And let me get into my message here today. 
For thousands of years, people were preparing for a Messiah to arrive. Old Testament prophets had written about a future day when God would send a Savior to his people. He would make a way for all things to be healed from the devastating effects of sin. Many people were looking for this Messiah. But when he came to earth, they didn't believe in him because he arrived in an unexpected way. They were hoping for a king who would overthrow the Romans who were ruling over Israel in that day. But instead, they got a baby born in a dirty stable in Bethlehem. This baby would be the ultimate source of hope for all people. But most people missed out on him. Can I tell you? And many people miss out on that hope today for the same reason. It had been thousands of years since the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the calling out of God's people. It had been thousands of years of being invaded and conquered by enemies like the Assyrians, Babylonians, Greeks, and Romans. It had been generations since the promise of the Messiah would come to make things right for the people of God. The coming of the Messiah would come to make everything right. This wasn't just a happy idea that drifted in and out of Israel's consciousness and culture. It was their deepest hope that sustained them as a people. It encouraged them and spurred them on, especially through thousand years of uncertainty and waiting. Israel clung to the promise of God with hope, even though it took such a long time to arrive. So I want to talk for a few moments today about two of those people who held on to hope. In Luke 2, after the birth of Jesus, Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem, to the temple, to dedicate him to the Lord. You'll find the complete story in verses 25 through 38 of Luke chapter 2. But there's something that I want you to see. Almost everyone in the story of the birth of Christ, if you really study all the different nativity stories, you'll see that every individual required some sort of convincing about the whole arrangement. Some of the people in the story of the birth of Christ needed dreams. Some needed visitations of angels to believe that Jesus had truly come. But not Simeon and Anna. Simeon and Anna didn't need an angel. They didn't need a dream. They didn't need a vision. Why? They had something greater. It was called hope. They didn't need a miraculous intervention. They didn't need, like the shepherds did, an angelic choir announcing the birth of Christ. They didn't need a star like the wise men. They didn't need an angel to come and convince them and give them a testimony like Mary. Or another angel to come and scare them and wake them up in the middle of the night like Joseph. Simeon and Anna had a word and they had hope. I'm talking to somebody here today says, Pastor, I haven't seen a star in the sky. An angel hasn't told me anything. I haven't had a miraculous intervention. I just know that I know that I know that God is going to fulfill his promise in my life. I can't explain it, but it's something deep inside of me that I feel and I have hope because of that promise. 
So I love the fact about these two individuals that I want us to consider. Because in Luke's account, neither Simeon nor Anna seemed the least bit surprised about the fact that this baby Jesus was the long-promised Messiah. Everybody else was shocked. Mary said, how could this be? Joseph said, no, no, no. And the angel says, fear not, fear not. The whole shepherds needed an entire choir to sing it to them for them to believe. But these two individuals, they weren't shocked. They weren't surprised. They were filled with hope. And it was a hope that made them ready. They were waiting. They were watching. They were listening. And they were expecting. They expected God to do what he had promised. They believed this and they were waiting for this. Both Simeon and Anna lived long lives and experienced many things. But they both lived in faith and in hope of in God. And they put their trust in the Lord and they rejoiced and celebrated. And this infused new hope even into the people that were around them. When Simeon saw this baby, and had a prophetic inkling. The Bible says the Holy Spirit was on him. In other words, leading him and showing him what was happening right before his very eyes. And when he saw it, and when Anna saw it, all of a sudden they started talking to everybody around them. And it even convinced Mary and Joseph. This story is in our Bible I believe it's not only a confirmation to us, but it's a confirmation to Mary and Joseph. Because after all that they had experienced, after all that they had gone through, they were still doubting. After seeing an angel, I mean, you, I don't know about you, but if I was on an angel, I'd have believed, okay, Lord, this is real. But what's so funny is God speaks to us so many times, over and over, and we still don't believe it. God's been talking to you all week, and I'm over here preaching, confirming everything he's been talking to you. And you're saying, I wonder if God's talking to me. People have been approaching you and telling you things, and you think it's coincidence, and it, and it, it, just, it just so happened. Wow, look at, I'm so lucky. No, God's talking to you. But because he loves us, he'll bring other people to continue to talk to us. God sent them angels. God spoke to them in dreams. And still he brings in a prophet and a prophetess to confirm to Mary and Joseph that they're in the will of God. What is it that caused Simeon and Anna to have such hope? I believe it's the key. And this phrase from Simeon in Luke 29 Excuse me, Luke 2, 29 and 30. He says this, now, Lord, you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. In other words, Simeon understood, Lord, you have fulfilled your promise to me. I've been living with this hope. I've been living with this anticipation that a Messiah was going to come and it's going to come and save the world. And so you did it according to your words, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Let me help you with a few things here today. Hope. You want to have hope today. Hope is based on the character and promises of God. It has nothing to do 
with your circumstances. Well, I'd like to have hope, Pastor, but these things are just not falling into place for me. I'd like to have hope, but, but I've been praying and, and it seems like nothing's changing. Can I tell you, our hope finds its root and is based and built on the character and promises of God. It's everything that God is and everything that God has said. I know he is faithful and that's why I have hope. His word says that he will never leave me and never forsake me. And for that reason, I have hope. Simeon had hope because he trusted the character of God. He knew that God was sovereign. To be sovereign means to be Lord. God rules and reigns over everything and is not limited by anything. In addition, God is always good. I'll say that again. God is always good. Even in the difficulties of life, God is good. Even in our gains and in our losses, God is good. Even when we're sick in our bodies, God is good. Even when we're experiencing trouble in our life, no matter what is happening, it's in his nature. It's in his character. He's a good God. There's a lot of things that I don't know, but one thing I do know, he's good. And he's always working things out for his glory and for our good. And he's given us his word. Look what 2 Peter 1 and 4 says. By which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. We see God's character. But we also see that God's character and God's promises always go together. We see this, in fact, in the book of Psalms. Psalm 138 and verse number 2. The psalmist says, I will worship you. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. Watch this. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Now, why has God magnified his word above his name? We have to think about it. This is the best application I can give you. If you get a reputation for not keeping your word, we say that that gives you a bad name. And when people hear your name, they won't believe your word. And so God, through the psalmist, puts an emphasis on magnifying his word. Why? Because God's name is good because his word is good. And so he magnifies his word saying, I keep my word. And because I keep my word, then I'm a faithful God. Then I'm a sovereign God. Then I'm a true God. My word lets you know that you can trust my name. Oh, you missed it. I'll say it again. My word is true and faithful. And because my word is true and faithful, God says that he is true and faithful. So he magnifies his word above his name. I can trust his word. And because I trust his word, I trust him. Folks that can't trust God don't trust his word. And folks that don't trust his word, they don't know his word. And so they say things like, I don't feel like God loves me. But his word says that he loves us with an everlasting love. 
I just feel like God has left me. But his word says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. You've got trust issues because you have word issues. That wasn't in my notes either. I'm sorry. I'm feeling very Christmassy this morning. So please forgive me. We have trust issues because we have a word deficiency. Well, I just don't know why all of this is happening, Pastor. It seems like God is out to get me. No, he's not. There's an enemy in our world that is, but God isn't. And so God magnifies his word so that you can put your faith in his word. And when you put your faith in his word, you can trust him. There's a lot of things that I don't know, but I know what his word says. I got feelings that run throughout my body, sometimes contradict the very word of God, but I can push through them. Why? Because he's exalted his word above his name. Sometimes all I have is a word. But can I tell you, you can stand on just a word. You can float on a word. You can walk on a word. You don't believe me? Peter's in the boat and there's a storm around him. And the water's starting to get into the boat. And Peter sees a figure off in the distance. He says, it's Jesus. He says, Jesus, if it's you, let me come to you on the water. Jesus didn't give Peter 150 psalms like the psalmist God. He said, come. And Peter gets out and he stands on one word and he walks over the water on one word. Come, can I tell you, if all you got is a word, you can walk till you get to Jesus. If all you got is a word, your family will, st will stay. You won't sink. You won't get lost. I've got a word. I don't know if there's somebody in here. I've got a word that can say, I got a word, Pastor. There's a lot of things that I don't have, but I've got a word and my hope and my trust and my confidence is in the word. Somebody shout, I got a word. And so this gives us boldness to believe that God's word is true and it gives us hope. So hear me, if I lose hope as a child of God, I should examine my faith in the character of God, and my faith in the promises of God. Because it's as long as I know that God is good, and working all things out for my good, I have hope. As long as we believe his word, we have hope. Look at what Romans 15 and 4 says. For whatever things were written before, were written for our learning, that we through the patience and the comfort of what? Are you sure it doesn't say social media? Or inspirational reels? Again, we have trust issues because we have word issues. So how do I have hope, Pastor? How do I lock, walk and live in hope? That's easy. You develop patience and comfort through the scriptures. I appreciate the comfort of the saints. I appreciate the comfort of the brethren. But late at night, the saints aren't there. 
in the darkest hours of my life with all love and respect the church wasn't there but you want to know what comforted me the scriptures they became like a warm blanket to let me know that no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every tongue that rises up against me in judgment God will condemn the greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world that I can do all things through Christ which I've been comforted by the scripture Share the reels. Share the inspirational quotes. I'm not against that. But that should not be your comfort. You want to know how we get through the hardest seasons of our life? Through the comfort of the scriptures. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm comforted by the scriptures. My God, I feel like preaching this thing here this morning. I love singing and I love worship, but that doesn't comfort me. I love church services and that's beautiful, but what comforts you in the darkest time is the comfort of the scripture. I'm trying to preach somebody out of a funk that they found themselves in. I'm trying to preach somebody out of a rut right now that you can't dig yourself out of. You've got to be comforted by your Bible. You've got to be comforted by the scriptures. You've got to get principles that are based on the word of God and say, I'm going to live this. I'm going to declare this until it happens. Would you lift your hands? I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost. I got to get a burden from my Bible. I said I got to get a burden from my Bible. Friendships are wonderful. Associations are great. Worship and singing is beautiful. But I'm only comforted, my Bible says, with the Scripture. I make it by the Scriptures. I walk through the life-giving power of the scriptures because the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the word that I need. I'm going to trust him again because I'm getting into the scriptures. I want to trust in him again because I'm getting into my Bible. I'm going to walk in hope again because I have the scriptures as my comfort. It says that we, so let me go back, let me, go, let me break this down a little bit more. For whatever things were written, someone say written. You see, Moses got 10 commandments and led God's people through the wilderness for your comfort. He stood in front of the Red Sea and with the rod of God, it, wasn't the, it was no longer Moses' rod. When Moses laid that rod down, it was no longer Moses' rod, it was the rod of God. And the sea was parted for your comfort. God takes Joshua 
And says, march around the city of Jericho and its high and great walls. And on the seventh day, you're going to march seven times and shout. And the wall's going to come down. That happened for your comfort. David stands before a giant that seems insurmountable. Fear was in the heart of their giant-sized king, Saul. In a trembling army. And David takes his, his sling and his stone and hurls it at the forehead of this giant. And he falls backward, not forward, excuse me. He falls forward, not backward. God did it for your comfort. See, it says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. What does that mean? Break it down a little bit more. I'll break it down a little bit more. When I read the stories of the Bible, they comfort me. When I see how God provided for a widow in the middle of a famine where she had enough to eat for her, her son, and the prophet to outlast the famine. You know what that tells me about my finances? Everything's going to be all right. When I hear about the mother who lost her son in the field and was dying and she laid them on the bed of the prophet and the prophet then comes and lays on him and prays over him and he sneezes seven times and comes back to life. You know what that tells me? It's comforting because it tells me that no matter where my family is, no matter how dead they might seem, God can resurrect them and bring them back to life. There's comfort in the scriptures. And that comfort gives me hope. And so I'm preaching this because someone came in here hopeless. And so what you need to do is not spend more time on social media. You need to spend more time in the scriptures. Say, so you know what? Normally I'd wake up and look at my phone, but right now I'm going to look at the scriptures. Normally, I'll fall asleep to the phone, and maybe it hits me a couple times on the head and reminds me i got to go to bed. But tonight, I'm opening up the scriptures. I usually spend my off evenings, Pastor, just scrolling through social media. But today, I'm going to turn some pages and let the scriptures comfort me. Let the scriptures grow patience in me. Let the scriptures ignite. I'm giving some homework to somebody that if you'll do this, hope will grow inside of you. And you'll walk through whatever season of life you find yourself in. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You see, all of this is trying to get us to understand that when we stop trusting God or his word, we have nothing left to hope in. So like Simeon and Anna, we trust in God's character and we trust in his word. Let me give you something else that hope does. Number two, hope sees beyond. Someone say beyond. Hope sees beyond the struggles of the past and the pain of the present. That's why hope is the fuel of faith. No matter how bad your year has been, no matter what kind of problems and struggles you are facing right now, no matter what kind of season of darkness and pain you're in, let me encourage you, do not abandon your hope. Because hope is still alive, even in our deepest pain and hopeless circumstances. Hope chases away the darkness and uncertainty. Hope is alive because God is with us. 
Romans 8 and 24 and 25 say. For we are saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. When hope is inside of me, hope says, I don't see it. But I'm awaiting it eagerly and with perseverance. In other words, I'm not going to let my present situation discourage me. I'm not going to let what the devil's been telling me all week to distract me. I have a hope that also gives me perseverance. Hope allows me to eagerly wait for what I do not yet have. True hope will cause me to persevere in spite of what I see or don't see. That's why Hebrews 11 and 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Hope is the willingness to believe beyond our present circumstance. And when coupled with faith, we have the evidence of what we have been hoping for before we even see it. That's why this faith life for some is so ridiculous. Because some of us live in the natural world. Everything we could see, everything we could hear, everything we could touch. But when you're walking in the kingdom of God and you're walking by faith, faith, according to Hebrews, gives you evidence of something you don't see. I don't see my family saved yet, but I believe they're coming to the feet of Jesus. I don't see the complete victory in my life yet, but you know what? I know it's on its way and it's going to happen. That's what happens when faith is coupled with hope. We can know that we have been hoping what we've been hoping for is ours before we even see it. In fact, we must know it's ours even if we ever want to see it. And so I may not see it right now, but I know the victory is mine. I may not see it right now, but I know healing is mine. I know I may not feel it right now, but I know, I know breakthrough is mine in the name of Jesus. Where does that come from? It comes from a hope that's coupled with faith. Let me get through this. Number three, hope helps me to understand that God is with us here, now, and always. One of the names given to the Lord Jesus Christ is Emmanuel. This is a Hebrew word. When translated means God with us. When creation cried out for help, God did not tell creation to get its act together and then he would come close. Rather, God saw that we needed to be rescued and he made the first move to come towards us. The apostle Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. But God demonstrates... His own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus did not come to us because we deserve it. He did not come to us because we earned it. He came to us because he loves us. And knew we could not get ourselves out of the mess of sin that we are in on our own. And I'm so glad about that, 
that he does not wait for me to get it all together, but he comes to me. He doesn't wait for me to understand everything that's in the Bible, but he still comes to me. He doesn't wait for me to make the first move, but on the contrary, he came to this earth, robed himself in flesh, and died a death on the cross, shedding his blood for you and for me, was buried, and then rose again on the third day with all power. He made the first move. And it was the knowledge that God would one day return for his people that kept the people in the Old Testament going. It is what inspired their hope. And today we are inspired because he's already come, just as was foretold. Some people forget that God is with us and therefore believe that nothing will ever get better. But with God, there is no uncertainty. God knows your pain. God knows the challenges and struggles that you face. He was not surprised by the troubles you face this year. He was not surprised by the financial circumstances you had to overcome this year. And he's not surprised by anything that we went through in 2023. He sees you. And can I tell you, he's here. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And this is what fills us with hope. A hope ignited within us because of God's everlasting love and forever abiding presence in our lives. When we feel too weak to carry on, when we feel our grasp slipping on even the ability to hope, he is with us. His presence gives us hope by reminding us of God's faithfulness and God's promises. His presence brings to our remembrance all that is in his word and the reminders of all that he has done for us and all that he has promised still to do. Amen. Our God, Emmanuel, who was with us, has promised to give his people hope. If the pianist would come, I'm getting ready to close. Look at Isaiah 43 with me, verses 1 and 2. I love this verse. It so encourages me. And I pray it encourages you today. But now... Thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. And don't you think that God will take care of what is his? Don't you take care of what is yours? When something begins to happen to one of your kids, you say, uh-uh, uh, let's go talk to that teacher right now. But daddy and mommy, I thought you said you had to work today. I can cancel. I got, we're going to figure this out. We take care of what is ours. And you want to know where that comes from? Our heavenly father. He takes care of his. He takes care of his church because we are his. Look at verse number two. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Can you feel the hope pushing through the words on that screen, on the pages of your Bible that lets us know that we are not alone, even in our loneliest or darkest moments, that Jesus Christ has come and he is with us every step of the way. 
He says, when you walk in the waters, I'm with you. When you're in the fire, I'm with you. When you're in the darkness, I'm with you. When you find yourself overwhelmed, he says, I'm with you. So encouraging to me. He's with me. Why am I emphasizing it this way? Because somebody in this room has felt that God has left you. And that's a lie from the very pit of hell. But you don't understand, Pastor, where I am and what's going on. I may not know all the details, but I can tell you, wherever you're walking today, he's with you. Whatever you're facing, he's with you. And I preach it to you this way because I know this for a fact. Felt the comfort of the Lord in this last two months like I've ever felt it before in my life. But I had to go through some dark moments. And you want to know what got me out? Not some YouTube preacher. Not some two-minute reel. Not some inspirational quote on Facebook. You want to know what got me out? The comfort of the scriptures. And that's why I'm a word preacher. If I get up here to tell you something, I'm always going to back it up with the scriptures. That's why we have this big old screen up here. So you can see the words as we're preaching this. Because we're not here preaching fables or opinions. Or some spiritual TED talk. I'm telling you the word of the Lord. And this word has power to comfort you. And I close. Hope inspires us to carry on. Anna and Simeon carried on through tough times and they carried on for a long time the Bible says that she had been a widow for 84 years that she was a young girl it's in the Bible that's why you got to read your Bible not just read your Bible but read your Bible and that passage that we read it tells us a lot about Anna it tells us number one that she was very young when she got married Number two, it tells us that she had been married for seven years and lost her husband. No children, no family. She was a widow for 84 years. Well, you want to know what she did? It's also there in the scriptures. She stayed in the house of the Lord. My God, I feel like preaching this thing again. Something happens to us and we want to leave the church. We get fired, we want to backslide. We get into trouble. I'm done, Pastor. I can't handle this anymore. This woman gave her life to her husband, her marriage, and seven years later was all taken away. I think we'd all agree that she deserved some time to be depressed, some time to mourn, and that would have been appropriate for her to mourn, and she probably did. But you know what I love the most? That when her life changed seven years after she got married, she wasn't even able to have children. She didn't even get to celebrate her 10th anniversary. When her husband left, she had no one to comfort her. So what did she do? She said, I'm going to go to God's house. And I'm not going to leave God's house. 
because in God's house I'll find my comfort oh my God I feel the Holy Ghost right now in God's house I'll find all the strength that I need in God's house I'll find the encouragement that I'm looking for I'm talking to somebody today that has one foot in and one foot out you're trying to make your escape because things haven't worked out stay in the comfort of the scriptures stay in the house of God and watch just like Anna God will fulfill his promise in your life stand with me stand with me and there's some of us that are like this right now we're looking for a reason to leave someone look at me wrong and I'm gone Someone talk bad about me and I'm out of here. Why? You think that that is comforting? You think you can find comfort in an alcoholic beverage? You think you can find comfort in the arms of another man or another woman that isn't your husband or your wife? You think you can find comfort out there in the world? Anna says, I'm so hurt and I'm mourning and I'm a widow. And so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay in God's house. And for 84 years, she chose not to remarry. If she would have, the law would have had nothing against her. But she chose to stay in God's house. And that's a picture to all of us here that no matter what we're going through, hope tells us stay. Hope says you can carry on. But you don't know what I've been through, Pastor. I don't know. But Anna stands here as a testimony in front of us today that if you stay in God's presence, he'll fulfill his word. And so Anna sees Simeon presenting a baby and the spirit that told Simeon that it was the Lord Christ, the same spirit told Anna it's Christ. And she was encouraged and she started encouraging everybody around her. Can I tell you, you can't go wrong with putting your hope in God. Lift your hands to the heavens right now. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Come on, I feel the unction of the Spirit of God. I wish somebody would raise their voice right now because there's hope rising in this building today. There's hope rising inside of somebody in this room. I'm feeling that comfort, Pastor. I'm feeling that comfort. The comfort that comes from the Scriptures and the comfort that comes from the Holy Ghost in the name of the Lord Jesus right now. Let the comforter come. Shandaria la 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 bakataya. Shandaria la 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 boko shataya la 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 bahaya. Oh, I feel the comforter in the building. I feel the comforter in the building. The spirit of the living God is in this place. Shataria da 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 bakaya. The comforter has come. The comforter has come. The Lord Jesus Christ has come. And there's hope for you this Christmas.